0: Welcome to episode five of Everyday Carry Chicks. I'm your host, Heather Reeves, and I'm here with my co-host Cass Crago. This podcast is a passion project of ours to tear down barriers to participation in the shooting sports, and we're glad you found us. Thank you for listening. Today's topic is all about celebrations on the range. Us ladies love to celebrate, but sometimes on the range, we forget to celebrate the wins or we are slow to actually give ourselves props and mark milestones. Therefore, we wanted to spend a little bit of time today talking about how great it is to celebrate.
1: We yes. all need to celebrate. Don't we need we? it? We do.
0: In our women's groups that we um we facilitate, we spend a ton of time breaking the desire to constantly degrade ourselves on the range. We watch countless women shake their heads. And, and again, we're framing this through through the women's eyes. I'm not saying guys don't do it. I have chastised plenty of men for doing it as well. <laughs> but our women that we work with regularly are kind of our, our cornerstone for this whole thing. So as we say women, I hope that you can see yourself in this. I hope you can see somebody that you shoot with in this and take the time to think about how you are celebrating. Because you got to celebrate. If it's not fun, you're not going to go do it. Let's be real.
1: You got to find the joy somewhere in life. And even when you fail, you need to find the joy in that. So I think I think that starts with
0: grace. All How right. do you give yourself grace? Oh, that's <laughs> that's a deep dark <laughs> subject here. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to steal your line, Cass. Um, not to steal your story from you, but because I think it holds weight here. I am a perfectionist. I am a type A personality. One of my One of the reasons it took us as long as it did to get this podcast off the ground is because we were trying to follow a perfectionistic look at this, when in reality, we're hoping why you all tune in every week is so that you can hear kind of our brain as it is when we have these conversations. And that's why we have some awkward pauses. And I love that. (laughs) (laughs) And all the giggling and all the other things that go into this. Yeah. As far as my story, so I'm a recovering perfectionist. Cass is, too. We'll both admit to it because admitting it is half the battle. Right. Um, Uh (laughs) And I I will fully admit, Brian Hill, you get a huge shout out here because your methodologies changed the way that I was processing that Um, I realized through your tutelage that I was not giving myself any grace. And every time I would step up on the line, I would feel like I had the weight of the world on my shoulders. Part of that had to do with up up to that point, I was typically the only female in a class. And the lens that I would view that through is that here I am, the only female. I must carry the weight of all women shooters everywhere through this class. And so true. (laughs) It was a lot of pressure. It was a lot of pressure. And we put that on ourselves. Nobody, not a, not a single person that I have ever encountered, whether instructor or um, student in a class has looked at me and gone, well, I'm going to judge every female shooter I come across now because I've met you. So -hmm. it was completely internal and there was zero grace and zero, you know, I have apologized to more people for ruining their targets when we share them on a line than I can count. I don't do that anymore. (laughs) I'm like, yep, I'm going to own that. Um, You know, but Brian does that in a really ingenious way because he asks that you think about it as a data point. So every shot that you take when you step up to the line is a data point on that target, is a data point for that drill. And data has no emotion attached to it. Because it's, it's numbers, it's data, it's things you record and it's things that you use to make progress. And if we were already stellar at skills, why would we take the class? Exactly. Since then, I have made huge amounts of progress in my personal practice because all of the sudden, I don't have to beat myself up over every missed shot. And instead I go, hey, yeah, I saw what I did there. And I get to celebrate the fact that I know exactly why that shot went where it went. For me, the biggest, and I had shot, perfect, because let's face it, I'm still a perfectionist at heart. I had (laughs) shot perfect up until about the third matchup. I think it was in the third matchup. And I missed my final shot. But instead of me standing there and beating myself up over that, I went, ooh, shank that one low. I saw it happen. Sights back on target, press the trigger the way that you know you need to. And I was able to still beat the person that I was going head to head with a year prior to that moment i would have never been able to do that like it would have just eaten me up that i missed that shot it might be 2 years i don't know but it, whenever that break point happened where i realized that i cannot continue to emotionally beat myself up over this and i made that switch it allows me now to have some freedom and go oh i missed that one okay i'll make it up on the next shot like here we are you know and and being able to identify why I missed a shot. Was was also huge, um, and and not everybody listening to this is going to have that skill set yet, where they can identify why they're missing, but they can all, every single last listener out there, can give themselves more grace to stop shaking their head, to stop feeling dejected, to stop letting the mean girl that lives in the back of their brain beat them up and tell them how terrible they are, um, because that is the exact opposite of what we wanna be able to do in order to make progress.
1: I think my story, I guess, with the recovering perfectionist, um, it came a lot from you. Um, I know that you have been telling me for years to give yourself grace. It's just a data point. You've been telling me those things. And I remember one of my first experiences with like a sub-second draw, trying to obtain that elusive, for me, (laughs) uh, sub-second draw. It was from outside the waistband. um, So strong side hip. Uh, I was in Colorado with John Correa. I I had already shaved off, I think, almost two seconds from my draw, but I was still shaking my head at myself because I wanted that sub-second. I wanted it so bad. And I was still really new to shooting um, in my eyes. Uh, I still had a lot more to learn. And I just remember I was shaking my head, and he stopped, and he stared at me, and he's like, tell that mean girl in your head to shut up. And I was like, oh, what? And, you know, he he went on to explain how that mean girl in the back of your head affects everything that you do. And he's like, give yourself grace. And I'm like, yeah, Heather's been telling me that for a while. Um, okay. Okay. I've, I've heard it from more than one person now. Maybe I should start listening to her. And it helped. But even I I think I ended at like one06 And I was still upset, but I was like 0.06. Like you're, you're really going to beat yourself up about that. Really? That was a huge, I guess, moment. And then I've grown a lot since then to where you tell me all the time, like the marksmanship is different than defensive shooting. And we do a lot more defensive shooting than we do marksmanship now, because I feel like we have more time in marksmanship than we do defensive shooting. Yes. And if anything is in the acceptable target that we are aiming for shooting for drop a shot i have a daughter so she likes elsa and anna and so i sing let it go and it it helps and of course sometimes i have to do the, the funny little dance the my let it go dance yeah. please don't ever ask me for that but i do it <laughs> <laughs> um and it, it helps because I give myself grace in the moment. Like, yeah, it happened. I mean, come on, is shooting that hard. You put your, you know, sights on target and press your trigger. It's all the other things you do to mess that up that make it hard. Yeah, And some days those are harder than others to keep everything dialed in together. And that's okay. Like give yourself the grace. It's so important.
0: There's a couple of, data points that I want to give the listeners so that they understand where we're coming from on this. Every time you tell yourself a negative comment, your brain perceives it as two and a half times that of a singular positive comment that you make to yourself. So every time you tell yourself a negative thing about your shooting, you are taking away two and a half of the positive comments that you have either received or given yourself internally. It's destructive it is it's that whole like you go one step forward and now you're three steps back. So by giving yourself grace, you're not saying that you're going to accept that you shank all of your shots low and left or that you're consistently missing high or you're consistently missing here or there. But we're going to find the wins, right? We're going to find a way to reframe it in such a way that we can use it as a stepping stone to make progress. If you've got a three inch size group, but it's slightly left, there's some consistency there.
1: That's a win. (laughs) And that's a win. Consistency is a win.
0: (laughs) And and it makes it a lot easier to then kind of go, oh, well, if I've got this nice group, now we just have to figure out how to move it. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things that can go into that. I mean, I don't want to Dive into that specifically, but you know, it can be, it can actually be your gear at that point. Maybe your sights are not actually lined up properly. Um, I was shooting with a friend yesterday using a Glock 44. All the shots that this person was firing were to the right. And I'm like, this person does not shoot to the right. And I said, hand me the gun. And I shot, and it was to the right in the middle of their group. And I was like, okay, we've just established that this is definitely a site issue on the gun. This is not you or I. Mm-hmm. you know. So it can be gear. It could also expose that you're not engaging your support hand. It could also expose that you're pushing the gun one way or the other as you're firing. Like, if there's consistency about the issue, use it as a stepping stone to move ahead. The problem you and I run into when working with shooters is that if there's no consistency of where they're missing, then the target just looks like it was shot by a shotgun from 50 yards away. And mm-hmm. and it makes it a lot harder to diagnose. So, mm-hmm. I would much rather work with someone who is consistently gripping the gun, pressing the trigger in the same way and missing in the same location because it's easier to shoot. Or mm-hmm. I'm sorry, it's easier to diagnose and fix. But yeah. Yeah. In any of those cases, whether you're consistently missing or you're, or you're all over the place, you have to give yourself grace. Because if you're all over the place and it's your first 100 to 200 shots, those are the first shots you fired with a gun and you're making an explosion go off in front of your face on purpose. And that's kind of scary.
1: And you showed up to do it. So that is a win.
0: Yeah. And you, you didn't give up. celebrate
1: that. Right. Right. Celebrate
0: it. Yeah. So we have to reframe it in the context with which that person is viewing those events through. Now, if if you or I show up and we're just all over the place, you best bet that one of us is going to pull the other one aside and be like, "Where is your head today?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But for newer shooters who are out there, take the wins, take the wins, and and tell the mean girl to shut up and get out of the way, because otherwise you're you're doing that whole like two and a half times you're knocking yourself down and you know if we're if we're viewing it as a stair step if we're walking up a set of stairs it's gonna get really discouraging really fast if for every step you go forward you have to take three steps back because that's spinning those wheels and we're never gonna make it to the top but if you can find the wins and you can honestly one of the wins for both of us we've already shared is that we shut the main girl up Mm -hmm. you can find non-shooting wins while you're shooting. Oh, absolutely. Think, you know, like give yourself grace, reframe it. Cass, you have a really good story about reframing things.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, I was in a class um, and our like final test was uh, a 10 by 10 by 10. So it was 10 shots from 10 yards in 10 seconds on a B8. Heather, what's the dimensions of that? Do you remember?
0: Um, The B8s we were shooting that day, I believe the black circle, and somebody on the internet's gonna correct me and that's fine, I believe the black circle is like three to three and a half inches and the whole thing is probably close to six. Okay, that sounds about right. Maybe Um, a little bit bigger.
1: (laughs) So we had been practicing getting shots off consistently and accurately in a timely manner. And I was fighting myself to stay consistent throughout the whole, like I'm going to call it practice time. And we were doing different ways to go a little bit faster. We were working with cadence, establishing, um, you know, sight picture, sight alignment faster um, and holding that. And I, I was struggling. I mean, it was also hot and windy and, you know, all the other things. Um, So I was kind of coming to it as, well, we'll just see how this goes. (laughs) And I started to, I guess, reframe it as this is my first time doing this. Let's just see how it goes. I started to give myself the grace of, hey, it's hot, it's windy. I'm still showing up. I'm still doing a thing. And I'm going to just listen and do my thing. And so I kind of reframed it as like, all the other stuff doesn't matter anymore. It only matters what I'm going to do now. And I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. So I stepped up to the line. And when the buzzer went off, I just did the thing. I technically failed because I only got off nine shots in the 10 seconds. But I ended up with um, a, a 90. Um, so each, each shot is worth 10 points. So i got all of them in the 10 ring. And the center of the 10 ring has an X. So it was like a 97X, which was damn good for, for me. So <laughs> and- I'll,
0: I'll add in there before she geeks out on this. So that, <laughs> that center circle is an inch. That one with the X in it is an inch. The whole 10 ring is two inches. So all of her shots were inside that two-inch circle from 10 yards. And inside the x she had seven of those so when she says 97x she's saying overall the score is 90 and she had seven of those shots in that one inch x-ring in 10 seconds yeah which
1: i amazed myself on that and then so oh i also was using a gun i had only used for two months and i had only been using a red dot for two months so this was all just like new things but i didn't realize that till afterwards that oh, I forgot to give myself grace for all of that. Uh, But it went, (laughs) so how it worked is the instructor just, the first person on the line, timed them, moved to the next, timed them, moved to the next, timed them, and it was either a pass or a fail. And then at the end, we went and looked at our target and the instructor was scoring the target. So I also had another, I guess, Win. I don't want to call it a reframing, but it, it was a success to me because he came up to my target and he was counting it. And he's like, uh, that's a you know a win. And I was like, well, actually, I only got off nine shots. So it was also an integrity win for me. Like that put me that knocked me out of what I'll call first place in the class. So I would have got the little range Pokemon or whatever. I'm I can't remember if he even gave one out, <laughs> but it was an integrity win for me too, because I said, no, I did not pass. I only got off nine shots and he just kind of shook his head and, you know, moved on. And I was really proud of myself for that moment too. Cause I mean, I could have cheated, I guess would be mm-hmm. the best way to put that, but I didn't. And so it was this whole, like I failed, but I won. Like that was a huge personal win for me. And I, I want to say that was my last class for that weekend at the at a conference and that made my whole weekend I I had some other struggles earlier in the week and that one just I left that on a high note like in my eyes even though I failed you can fail and still win at the same time and I mean gosh there's so many different reframing things that you can do like and stopping in the moment and realizing that hey a data point is a data point gosh, what was the, oh, we just did the FBI call a few weeks ago, a month ago, something like that. And of course, the very first two times, I missed those. Not by a mile, but I missed them. And I didn't shut down mentally like I normally did. I used to let that mean girl in my head just run right over me. And I mean, Heather, you've seen it. We've tried that that qualification. How many times? And I shut down as soon as I miss a shot. Do hold myself to a higher standard because anything within the acceptable target was still a, a great shot and a win. I wanted everything in the center circle of the target. And I had two outside, even though it said they could be outside, they just had to be within the milk bottle. I hold myself to a higher standard and I miss those. And I would have shut down. But that day, I heard you say in the back of my head, data point, let it go. And we moved on and we crushed it. I say we, I did shot, but Heather, you were there and you were coaching me through it. So you held my hand, even though you didn't know it.
0: (laughs) Well, we need that. We need that coach that we hear in the back of our mind that can hopefully become the stronger voice Um, I do know that there's a percentage of folks out there that don't have an internal dialogue, monologue going Mm -hmm. for them. But most of us do. I think that sometimes when the positive voice isn't ours initially, it makes it easier to internalize. The hope would be that eventually it becomes your voice instead of their voice. And there's days where I've stepped up to the line still and I try to hype myself up. But then I end up reverting because I'm just not in that mindset. and I'm like, okay, it needs to be Brian's voice today, or it needs to be Cass's voice today. It needs to be Ashton and Tim's voice today. Whoever your your people are who started to help you reframe those things and give yourself grace, sometimes it's easier to make it somebody else's voice because that way it doesn't seem like we are our own best cheerleader. I don't know. I don't know if it's a male female thing, but I do find myself still struggling in that regard because I want to celebrate and I want to in your range time, in your day, in your life or
1: you're not going to come back to it and and it's an important piece that a lot of people miss. Yeah, you know, you can't beat yourself up about all these little data points all day without celebrating that they're there and that you have accomplished something. And I think celebrating is huge. Yeah. And you have to celebrate internally and externally. So, I mean, we've talked about how we internalize, you know, celebrating so far. Heather, what's one way that you like to externally celebrate?
0: I like bringing attention, which, (laughs) this is a (laughs) double-edged sword, but I really like, especially when we know the group of people we're with, to point out people's wins, you know, and make it, make it known that, like, we all have different reasons to celebrate. You know, we did an event this past Saturday. We had several shooters show up at multiple different levels of their progress. And for one particular individual. We, after, after guns are safe, we always make sure that, you know, the guns are safe and either holstered or set down and all the things, but we stopped and we celebrated the fact that it was that individual's first time knocking down all six plates on our plate rack, you know, mm-hmm. and everybody who hollers and cheers. Um, we had one individual that has really been struggling to even hit the plates. Um, mm-hmm. and while they are a safe shooter, they have not experienced a lot of success and so when they were able to knock down a single plate all on their own without a coach whispering in their ear we stopped and we celebrated that and again everybody hoots and hollers and cheers in the same way that they did for the other win because that particular individual's progress is not somebody else's progress right we're all at different points on the curve We're all coming to this from different angles, but we watch each other struggle along the way. So for the whole group to be able to celebrate, ooh, we recognize that that was a huge milestone for this individual. And this seemingly smaller thing that this other person accomplished is a huge win for them. And Mm -hmm. so really deliberately trying to pick out the things that we accomplish and group celebrating is a huge way that I like to do it. I'm also a huge fan at the end of every range session that I run. I like to go around and I like to ask for everybody's input on what they learned that day because that's a win too. And Mm -hmm. sometimes the win is, yeah, I realized that I like shanked all of those shots, but now I know why I'm doing it. And now Mm -hmm. I have ways to fix that. And that's a huge milestone. So we celebrate the learning wins too. We don't just celebrate the target wins
1: yes yes and i like to celebrate just not just daily growth but we've had a couple different ladies um one a year year and a half ago she couldn't hit any of those plates and we're at 10 yards it's a nine inch plate like it it takes a little bit a little bit of skill to to, to do and she would get so frustrated with herself and i mean we could have conversations with her and everything and do the, all the encouragement we could, but it, I think it was more of an internal battle with herself. She can hit a target just fine. Mm-hmm. But hitting that plate, she had a a barrier or a wall or something stopping her mental block, whatever you want to call it. It was, she hated those plates. She had a deep seated hate for them. <laughs> uh, and then she's, she's taken some classes. She's done some private lessons and, Uh, just a few months ago, she was able to hit all six plates and the look on her face. Oh my goodness. It was pure joy. I was so proud of her. (laughs) We all, I think we all, you know, once the guns were saved and she (laughs) turned around and we saw her face, we all just started screaming and cheering and we were Ah! so happy for her. Yeah. And that's a win. I think from an instructor level as well, like all the pieces came together for our, you know our student, and we get to all celebrate this now because I'm so glad we were all present for that. Yes, yes. And uh, Celebrating other people's wins is amazing, and not just you know for them, but for us. Like we got to be a part of that.
0: <laughs> it, it was cool. Yeah, we got to witness it. We got to witness mm-hmm. that that really cool milestone. Mm-hmm. My favorite way to celebrate, though. Again, this this might as well be like Heather's, you know, like go train with Brian Hill podcast. Um, (laughs) He does. He has a really cool thing that he does that when you do something really cool or you kind of set a new standard for yourself and you outperform, um, you do a Viking yell, like a like a deep seated, like.
1: Ah, oh,
0: win moment, and I will say that I think that that is still my favorite way to celebrate.
1: I really like that. <laughs> I like so that a lot.
0: Maybe, maybe we'll have to incorporate a little bit of that. But you know, and and Brian kind of looks like a Viking, so it works for him. Just that moment of like you get to release all of the joy in that moment, and it's it's unmistakable. Any way that you can do that to whether mentally or actually out loud celebrate those those wins is is a reason to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And
1: I do notice myself sometimes when I celebrate other people's wins. I get a little emotional, and for some reason, my eyes just start watering and it leaks <laughs> on my face. It's this weird phenomenon. And I mean, tears <laughs> don't always belong on the range, but in these moments they just happen, and they do. There's some of my, my favorite moments that
0: yours just come out. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I think that that's, I think that's something that I wish we would do more in the shooting community in general is I wish more people were willing to acknowledge, Hey, I just did something I've never been able to do before. Mm -hmm. And instead of immediately moving on to the next thing, like let's sit in this moment and let's soak this in, so that when we're feeling down during some future date, we have that moment that we stopped and we acknowledged, so that we can bolster our own confidence, mm-hmm. because it all feeds back into one another.
1: Yeah, I've I've been in some classes where I mean they're they're fast paced, they're intense. Um, you know, everybody's trying to meet a certain standard, and I guess. Uh, it, Mine was the summer in Rangemaster. Master. Um, it was kind of intense for me. Um, I've done a lot of, I guess, other qualifications, but that one, it was a, a different um, atmosphere, and it was still really enjoyable, really fun, but it was a little bit more pressure. And I know I put all, you know, most of that on myself um, to to do good. And I remember afterwards, I was telling my husband, I was like, oh, I think I got, you know, like a 94. And because I was trying to count things in my head, and that's a lot of shots to count up in my head quickly. (laughs) And I was like, I think I got a 94. So I passed, yay. And then when I got my sheet, I was like, wait, that says a lot higher than what I thought I got. And I, I had that celebration moment that oh my gosh, I did that well. Like I didn't know that's what happened. And of course, you know, the the water comes out of the eyes for some reason. Um <laughs> and it just happens. I can't we help got, it. We, got,
0: we gotta normalize that.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. And I was just so proud of myself. And then after I guess we there was a few different um I'm not only my friends, but my colleagues in the class and we all got to celebrate that together afterwards and like we all passed, we all did great. And it was like, so I internalized my celebration to myself. And then once everything, you know, settled down and everybody else was done with their testing, we all got to celebrate together. Oh, what a good feeling. And you have to find those moments throughout any journey. I mean, sometimes it's just, I picked up that firearm safely. Yep. That's a win. We're going to celebrate that. Like I pointed it at the target and held it there and pressed the trigger two times. That is a win. Like anywhere you're at in your journey, like find those little moments, celebrate them and share them.
0: Yes. Please share them. Yes.
1: Any win is worth celebrating.
0: So one of the challenges that I wanted to issue today for the listeners is I want you to think back to your last range session and if, if you've done one and if not, I'll give you, I'll give you some homework too, but think back to your last range session and I want you to think about whether or not you, you gave yourself props for something that you did or did you spend the whole session beating yourself up over the shots that you missed? If you slowly start to change that and you slowly start to shut up the negative, whoever in your brain, you will start to see changes that you can't even anticipate right now. Mm -hmm. If you haven't shot yet and you're listening to this because you're entertaining the idea of going shooting, I want you to give some consideration to what would a milestone be for you? Would it be signing up for a class where you just learned safety You know, we do at Wolverine Defense Academy, we do our beginner handgun class. And it's pretty much everything but the bang is Mm kind of how I bill it. Um, Thank you, Steve, for that. Um, Maybe it's signing up for class, like literally just signing up. Like maybe that's the win here. And then Mm -hmm. the next milestone is you showed up. Because those first few steps, regardless of how you perform, quote unquote, showing up is the hard part. And I think Cass and I would both argue that even at higher levels, showing up is the hard part. Um, is showing
1: up physically and mentally.
0: Yes. Yeah. You know, like, and, and I know that, I know that sometimes when I share these stories with newer shooters, they don't always resonate. So I will compare and contrast, but I do want to share my story about HatCon again, just a little bit, because when I showed up at that event, I had no intention on shooting the match at all because in my head I was telling myself the story. I'm going to borrow Cass's thing here. I was telling myself the story that I would not place well, so I shouldn't even try. And I am very grateful that I had a couple of friends shout out to the Adams, um, Adam Boyce and Adam Bryant, because they literally looked at me and they were like, um, no you're stupid go shoot it and we have that kind of (laughs) friendship where that's acceptable (laughs) you know but they speak my language in that way Mm -hmm. and they were like you just need to go do it because you are a comp you know like the whole i am an accurate consistent disciplined and efficient shooter who gets results through practice they were spitting my own words back to me (laughs) and they were like i think the linchpin piece and i don't remember which one of them said it and it may have even been ashley But one of them looked at me and was like, would you ever accept that from one of your students? Mm -hmm. And I had this moment where I just like stared probably for a solid five (laughs) seconds. And I was like, lots of expletives. You're right. (laughs) Like, you know, and so I showed up and I did the thing. And then I ended up in the shoot off and I was just feeling really grateful to be there. (laughs) like. You know, and I've got Adam Bryant over on the side, like, reminding me all of the little things, like, breathe, fake yawn, you're okay, you can do this, stop looking around at the crowd, like, just go do the thing, like, and he's, like, yeah. giving me all of these, like, hand signals from across the range, <laughs> like, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I can do this, like, you know, and yeah. after I got done shooting the first heat of that head-to-head, like, I looked down at my hands, and they were visibly shaking one inch in either direction, and I was like, <laughs> okay. You know, and <laughs> just had to really like that was that mental toughness, though, that I had developed to continue to speak positively to myself, mm-hmm. Um, you know, to kind of loop back around to giving yourself grace. Like I had finally developed that mental system. If I had been stuck in that old system where I was beating myself up and not like allowing myself to grow into this space, I literally wouldn't have ever shown up to shoot the match in the first place, the prelim, let alone when I made it into the finals, I would not have had the mental toughness to go, Hey, we're all here for a reason. We all shot the best. That means that any one of us can take this. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I want to say that I was like sixth or seventh out of the eight top females. So it wasn't like I had come in blazing this down, but I had the mental fortitude to stick with it and believe that I belonged on that line. And I did find out later, um, and I don't know if this individual will be listening, but somebody did tell me this story afterwards (laughs) um, that one of the other competitors who ended up in the top eight of the women's group um, actually turned to somebody near one of my friends and was like, I literally would shoot against anybody but Heather on this line. And you and I both know that when I get into that competition mode, I have that RBF about me. Yes. And I think it's intimidating and I'm okay with that.
1: That's it's a real thing and it happens. I had a gentleman ask me like, "What what just happened? Like when you stepped on the line, everything just changed." And he's like, "What zone did you go in?" I'm like, "I I don't I don't know." And since then I've analyzed and oh I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing yep. this, but it comes off as the resting, you know, beautiful face. And <laughs> and it's a thing. Yeah. It's it's our zone. And which getting in that zone, oh my gosh, that's a win.
0: Yeah. Sometimes yes.
1: sometimes we beat ourselves up to the point where we can't get into that zone.
0: Yeah.
1: And you crushed it. You you got there. And magic happened. You You know, know,
0: there's, so there's a lot of neurology and I won't go into all the details. Um, but what you're attempting to do is reach a flow state where you've got a balance of your positive hormones going with the whole automaticity thing where you want to be able to do things on reflex instead of by having to think about every little thing you're doing. And all of that gets roped back in with the way that you talk to yourself. Because if you're always associating going to the range with a negative mindset, then your positive hormones, your positive stress hormones can't be released. Part of us giving ourselves grace and reframing things and finding these reasons to celebrate is to condition your brain to release those positive hormones when you're under stress. You owe it to yourself to figure out how to get to flow state and you owe it to yourself to give yourself enough grace to get to the point where you have a level of comfort with that gun. I'm not saying your gun has to be your BFF. I'm not saying that you have to love everything about shooting. You know, Tiffany Johnson, who is brilliant as an instructor and really amazing at articulating concepts to people, she talks quite openly about the fact that she is not the type of gun person who shows up to have fun shooting guns. It's a very utilitarian thing in her world where it's a tool, and she is proficient with the tool, and she is good with the tool, but it's not something where she's, like, signing up for every class because she just can't wait to throw 2,000 rounds down range. But she has still found that level of automaticity. So there has to be a comfort with the tool in order to get to that point. So all of the points leading up to that comfort moment, you may just be giving yourself props because you didn't run away from the gun today. You touched the gun. Yeah. You touched the gun. You picked up the gun. You pointed the gun in a safe direction. Like, there, you and I have both been there. Like, sometimes we celebrate that win with these women because they followed all the safety rules today. <laughs>
1: It, it it happens more than you think and it's so wonderful that it happens um and it's so wonderful that we get to celebrate that yeah. um and i wanted to mention too like even dry firing that's a win like if you can't make it to the range you can dry fire you know there's please follow all the safety rules that apply to dry firing <laughs> but it's just doing the thing you know accepting that you're going to do this task, you did it. Celebrate that you did it. Yep. Just find ways to reframe things to give yourself that grace to do anything. I don't care if it's I got up 10 minutes early this morning. That's a win. <laughs> I went for a walk. I worked out for four hours. You know, whatever it is. Yeah. Do it. But Heather, you mentioned something about yawning. Where did you get that? <laughs> yes. Well,
0: yeah. So there's a book that we have mentioned a couple of times. It's called With Winning in Mind and it's by Lanny Basham. That book sets up a mental mental management system is how he phrases it. And he has a whole business that's built on it. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, but that particular trick is one that high performance athletes use. So if you can fake yawn you can actually drop your heart rate, Um, not dangerously so, but one one of the Adams that I mentioned, Adam Boyce, um, he's a pretty high performance dude. And he has a resting heart rate usually around 60 beats per minute, which for most of us is ridiculously low, but for him, that's where he is. And when we were getting ready to shoot for the first time ever together, he showed me his Fitbit and his heart rate was around 120 beats per minute. So this dude is like well outside of where he normally is. And he's like, I can just feel my heart beating out of my chest. He goes, watch this. And because we had been reading the book as part of this course we were going through. And he yawned three or four times, I think, within probably... A minute and by the time 30 seconds after his fourth yawn he was back down in the 70s and that was pretty amazing to watch that happen um i have not i am not good about wearing my fitbit i'm going to be completely honest <laughs> um so i don't have data like that but i can tell you that it has it has become part of my routine and cass has watched this before where it'll be time for me to perform a drill I'll step up to the line. I make sure all my gear is set. I yawn. And then I kind of settle into whatever stance I need to be in in order to do the skill. And then I go. And what that allows me to do is, since it's part of my routine, is it gives my body a calming effect that allows everything to kind of settle and go. and, And I get to have that last little talk with myself of like, you're here for a reason. You can perform this skill. If you fail the drill, it'll still be a learning point. And just kind of give myself that, that grace in that moment as I'm trying to calm my nerves. Um, I think it works really well. I think anybody out there who's doing something where their adrenaline kicks up a little bit, try it. Try it the next time.
1: Mm-hmm. And I, what I liked about what you mentioned too is you weren't giving yourself a pep talk because I think sometimes if you give yourself a pep talk, it can set yourself up that if you don't shoot 100% or whatever, that you're, you're setting yourself up for a failure. Um, so I like to reframe that into giving yourself grace. You've yep. done all the things, you've had all the training. We're gonna pressure test that for our data or yep. for fun, or whatever you're shooting for. Maybe not set yourself up for perfection. when i mean i'm a human you're a human heather we're not perfect (laughs) nope (laughs) i don't think anybody is perfect um sometimes we can compare ourselves to others and be like they are perfect like the the gal that you wanted to shoot against anybody but you yeah in her eyes you may have been that perfect shooter in her eyes but like you mentioned you dropped a shot yeah so are you still perfect no, because we're humans, and we're gonna give ourselves that grace to you know view things differently, to reframe them and be accepting and positive about things. So.
0: I think the danger in this conversation mm-hmm. is that we have made it sound like we can celebrate anything for any reason, which is true, but mm-hmm. I you know, we gave the example of like, the lady that we celebrated because she hit the singular plate, mm-hmm. that celebration, if it were you or I, and we had that same, co- that same celebration moment, hey, I hit a plate, it's not going to ring true to us because we know that that is well within the scope of our skill set at this point. So I don't expect, if you are an accomplished shooter that's listening to this, I would not expect you to go to the range and have the thing that you celebrate at the end of the range time be that you followed the safety rules. Right? Because yeah. that is that is just low-hanging fruit that because it's within your skill set, well-established skill set, then you're just like fooling yourself into believing that you did this really cool thing when it's already an established skill. So, we have to make sure that the celebrations that we're choosing are appropriate things to celebrate for whatever skill set you're working on. Yeah, we're celebrating growth. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it and again, so the comparison and contrast there is Mm -hmm. you and I show up, we're not going to pat each other on the back because we we didn't keep our finger on the trigger at an inappropriate time. But if we get a new shooter who shows up, we may very well make a big deal out of the fact that we didn't have to remind them one time to keep their finger off the trigger. Mm -hmm. Because maybe that wasn't a skill set that we saw them have the last time we were shooting together. Yeah. The things you pick have to be appropriate for the skill set that you're working on. Yeah. And I just, I just felt the need to clarify that because <laughs> I think that it would be really easy to like, every time you show up to the range, sweet, you know, yeah, my draw time is at the same time that it was last time, but I followed all the safety rules. Well, you better be able to follow the safety rules if you're coming out of a holster. Yeah. You know, and, and you're shooting on the clock. For holster times, like you Mm -hmm. better be able to follow the safety rules. So don't make it a false celebration Mm -hmm. just to have something to celebrate.
1: Yeah. And, you know, thinking back, I I mean, you mentioned coming out of the holster safely. We've gotten, we've gotten, (laughs) we've gotten to experience, Um, ladies, uh, like um, we went to a conference in Colorado and one of our ladies had never shot from a holster. She took a few holster classes, came out, and she could finally draw from a holster safely. But it was, you know, the celebrating not only, yeah, you can do that now, and now let's move on. But it was this huge accomplishment for her to learn all of the skills that go into that. It's not just pull it out, point it in a safe direction. There's, let's not point it at our body. Let's keep her yeah. fingers where they belong. It's meeting in, you know, meeting your hands together at an appropriate location, it's clearing garments. Like there's all the things that go into it that come together and it's a magic. It's a magically beautiful thing. <laughs> um, and so now she's moved on to obviously higher skills than just, you know, drawing now. Um, you're right. You know, let's, let's not celebrate, yeah, just the safety. But I, I think that goes back to, you know, you got to challenge yourself in some way each time. You know, what skill are you working on at the range? Did you accomplish that? Did you at least make progress towards accomplishing it? Yep. Um, so always build upon those skills. Like, you know, the lady that shows up to the range, I picked up the gun safely and pointed it in the safe direction. Great. We're going to do that a few times and then we're going to celebrate our next win is aligning our sights and maybe we add in pressing the trigger. So each time just add a little bit higher of a skill and celebrate your journey and just being there. I like all of that. So I agree with you 100%.
0: Is there anything in regards to celebrating that we have not talked about that you wanted to talk about?
1: Maybe being open to celebrating with people that aren't at the range with you celebrate with your family your friends um even if they don't understand what you just did you know you don't have to go into all the detail just hey i experienced something really cool today and i need to share this if you do share the details great if you don't just make sure you're celebrating outside of the range dry fire inside the range you know celebrate anywhere you can some days just waking up in the morning is a celebration, but <laughs> I mean
0: depending on your situation.
1: And you gotta be happy. Find something to celebrate.
0: My, my appropriate level. Like you were I yeah. <laughs> like, I just I just felt like we talked a lot about like celebrating the little things, and I was like, okay, yeah. let's also make sure that we talk about scaling it appropriately. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think my last little bit that I want to talk about is this idea that who we pick to go to the range with us does matter. Um, We have a lady who just recently was able to come out and join us for a few different sessions and her range experiences up until that point had been to have reinforced every bad thing that she did at the range. Um, The individual that she goes to the range with the most, has this idea that the best way to get her to get better is to pull the target in after she shoots however many rounds and then circle all of the misses in Sharpie and have her do it. And then I'm not saying dismiss the other ones, but let's draw attention to the ones that went well. Mm -hmm. Because what she has internalized from that is that every miss is something to be met with trepidation, anxiety, and, you know, I don't want to say fear of retribution because it's not like she's being abused by this person, but a little bit of just a lot of anxiety because now there's going to be this whole conversation about these two miss shots instead of us celebrating the, you know, eight that went where they were supposed to
1: hmm And if it's the person I'm thinking of, it's the, what did you do wrong? Yep. Well, I'm still learning. I, I might not know what I just yep. did wrong. So yep. I know that was a frustration that was yeah. expressed.
0: So, you know, if you are somebody's range buddy, your goal is to find reasons to help them understand what they did well. Because our brain can process that a lot better. You know, it's that classic stop jerking the trigger, stop jerking the trigger, stop jerking the trigger. Well, now that we've talked about not wanting to jerk the trigger, all we're thinking about is jerking the trigger. And so what are we going to do the next time we step up to line? We're probably going to jerk the trigger or let our grip loose because jerking the trigger is not a thing. And I'm not here to start the internet on fire. Okay. So I understand it's a grip issue, not a trigger issue. Thank you, Chuck Haggard. Um, (laughs) But but. Oftentimes, we tell somebody something in the negative, which doesn't allow them to internalize the positive. So Mm -hmm. if we want to fix a grip issue, because what it is manifesting as is jerking the trigger, quote unquote, or anticipating recoil, most people, when they do those things, it is that they are adjusting their grip as they're pressing the trigger. So the way that I handle this is to tell the person, I want you to grip the gun right now. Now, I don't want you to move your hands. I want you to maintain that level of grip as you ease your finger to the rear. Because now we're thinking about the things that we need to do. You know, it's the classic, if I tell you don't think about the pink elephant in the room, what are you going to think about?
1: The pink elephant in the room. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and now you're not going to be able to think about anything else than if, if there was a pink elephant sitting in the room next to you right now. Like, <laughs> that's what's going to be going through your head. So we have to, if if you have to give them the negative, you have to sandwich it between the two positives. Because every once in a while, you can't avoid, like, telling them, this is what you did this time. So what that would look like or what that would sound like, because you can't see us, um, is it would be, hey, you know, I want you to hold your grip the way that it is right now while you're pressing the trigger to the rear, because what you did on that last shot is you clamped your hands down tighter as you pressed. So again, what we want to do is we want to hold the gun with exactly as much pressure as we want it to have, and we're going to move our finger. And there's a whole lot of other stuff that can go into that. We can talk about sights, and we, get, but you've got to at least sandwich it. You can't just are tell you, them, don't do this.
1: Are you saying words matter? Yes, words mean things, folks. <laughs> yes, and we're reframing a focus from one aspect to another, and it's it works.
0: Yeah. So if you are the instructor in the room listening to this right now, for whatever reason, you you stumbled upon us. Yes, we are trying to give you advice. Stop telling people what not to do. Tell them what you want them to do. Because you will have a lot more success in helping them out than if you just tell them to stop doing something.
1: And in a way, you just celebrated a win with them. Yeah. They did something right. So let them know.
0: Yeah. Keep it positive. Like, I wish, I wish that I had seen more of that uh, modeled for me when I was starting to instruct. I wish Mm -hmm. that that was something that was a lot more prevalent. So the other other key there is if you are somebody who is new to this, that would be something to ask about. How do you make corrections on the range? What -hmm. does that look like? You know, and if you get into a class and you didn't ask that question or you have in the past shied away from taking classes because that is your only experience, then I would highly encourage you to seek out an instructor that's going to handle it from a positive perspective. You know, that's, that's one of the first things I tell I tell individuals when they say that they want to work with me is I'm like, okay, but we're not going to shake our heads and we're not going to beat ourselves up. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to, and and when ladies talk to me or you, I know that that's a huge thing that we tell them is like, hey, we're a supportive environment. We're going to celebrate your wins with you and we're going to make sure you, you start to make progress in the areas that you want to make progress in mm-hmm. um, and not from a, slap the hands to get them out of the cookie jar type situation, but we're going to provide that positive reinforcement. Oh, you held your grip really well that time. We just got to work on keeping your sights aligned.
1: Mm -hmm. And I, I know of a couple different examples of ladies that come to us because we offer that environment that they weren't finding elsewhere. I mean, I know we have one lady that drives over an hour for the environment and she's pointed out our level of safety that we expect and that you know we hold to um so it's it's out there sometimes you might have to try travel you know to find it but it does exist it it's needed in more locations i think that comes down to training (laughs) you know some people or some other instructors need the extra training for a positive environment. They weren't trained in a positive environment, so they will just perpetuate the authoritative, you know, sometimes demeaning environment. Like, what did you do wrong? Well, I don't know. I'm just learning. I'm gonna call it, it's sad. In my <laughs> eyes, it is. I in certain environments, maybe it's required. You know, like, if I am, Traveling, and there's a U.S. marshal or somebody on the plane. You like they probably need a different level of support than I do in my training, um, because we have different goals in mind. Yep. Um,
0: purpose, right? It all goes back to purpose and mindset yeah. and mission.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you tied that in. Yes. <laughs> um, and. For concealed carriers, I'm not talking law enforcement, military, um, you know, different levels of professional snipers. You know, all of that. That's not what I'm talking about. But our our beginning level shooters and concealed carriers, we're more apt to train in a positive environment than we are something rigid and demeaning. And uh, the word that comes to mind is put down. But
0: yep. cold other pricklies, words. cold pricklies instead of warm fuzzies.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, I mean, I think we have both experienced that environment and it, I mean, we, we talked about it um, when we talked about the uh, Dunning-Kruger that when our confidence is hit like that, it's, it creates more of an environment like the, it makes that mean girl in the back of our head just start yelling again and it's not helpful and it, it can be detrimental to some people. Um, You were talking about your uh, mental fitness and toughness earlier and, I'm not looking to punch holes in that. And I don't agree with punching holes in someone's, you know, confidence um, in certain ways.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, and and this runs the risk of us talking a little bit more to the instructors Mm -hmm. that are listening. But I think there's some nuggets in here, too. You know, when somebody comes from a military and law enforcement background, Mm -hmm. So much of that stuff is kind of you are going to do it our way because of the institutional side of things where Mm -hmm. they want to have a uniform set of policies because it makes it easier to get trainers who can just kind of wrote memorize. These are the five things we're going to do. These are the four steps to a holster draw. These are the and it's our way or the highway. Mm-hmm. What I think we run the risk of sometimes, you know, um, we haven't talked about it yet, but there's three major areas that instructors come from. And that is uh, the they have a military background, they have a law enforcement background, or they have a competition shooting background. Mm-hmm. And the struggle is when you come from one of the first two, so military and law enforcement, those environments, you have a captive audience. You have people who are butts in seats when you are instructing who have to be there because mm-hmm. they are required to be there. When we are training on the civilian side, you have to keep in mind as an instructor that every single person who shows up there is there because they want to be there on some level.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you can't approach it the same way that you would approach it when you have 20 people that you know need to qualify in order to keep their job. Mm -hmm. You have to approach it from a direction where you are fostering a learning environment in order to make them want to come back. And one of the hurdles we have here in Michigan is that we have a state mandated CPL class. So a concealed pistol licensing class. So if you want to carry concealed in Michigan, you got to go and you got to be there for eight hours in order to do it legally. I am well aware that there are instructors in some places in the state that do not do that. But I'm telling you right now, if you want to do it the legal way, it's Mm -hmm. a minimum eight hour class. It kind of walks that line, right? Like you have to be there for eight hours. So I know that you're going to have to be here for eight hours because if you want your certificate from me at the end of the day, you're going to sit here and listen to what I have to say. So if you're from that military and law enforcement background, it's really tempting to approach it from that same direction. And if all you're doing is one and done classes where your whole goal as an instructor in that role is to have 10 to 20 new people coming through that class every week and you're not worried about return clients and you're not worried about fostering a learning environment, then you can handle it that way. But you and I both know, and, and I, we both teach these classes that, That is not our end goal. Our end goal is to foster an environment where you get a little bit here and you grow some skills and you get yourself over that hump of the Dunning-Kruger effect, from the peak of Mount Stupid to the to the Valley of Despair. And we want you to end up on the slope of sustainability. Well, you can only accomplish so much in eight hours in that regard. Mm -hmm. So we want you to continue training. We want you to come back and take more classes with us. We want you to come hang out if you're a woman at our female stuff. We want you to pick up some of the guest instructors that were that we have come in. We want you to do all of those things. And so the way that we approach instruction is vastly different than the individual whose only bread and butter is to offer a concealed pistol license class where they get new people every single week and they don't really care about the end result. Mm-hmm. And, and this is going to be really blunt, and I'm probably going to offend some people. I guess I'm getting in the habit of doing this. But <laughs> if that is you as an instructor, if your whole goal is one and done with these folks, I want you to think about the impact that you're having on them mm-hmm. and how you're actually stunting their progress to a certain extent. Um, the other side of that, if you are a student, I would encourage you to take a class at a place that not only offers a CPL class, but they offer other classes besides that because that is queuing you in. Now there's some other specifics that go into that about like instructors staying in their lane and actually having credentials that and backgrounds that back up them teaching those classes. Don't get me wrong. There's some other things that we have to explore with that. But to me, it's a red flag if all that instructor is offering is a one and done because that, I, again, I hate to say it and be blunt like this, but that tells you that all they are after is your money to have your butt in that seat for eight hours, eight to nine hours. And then they're going to tell you goodbye and good luck from the, now. There's going to be exceptions before I completely light the internet on fire here. There are going to be (laughs) exceptions to this in all arenas. We have done that for a really long time, right? Like we kind of honed our craft on the CPL side of things in these licensure classes. But then we started to see other needs and we started to try to fill some of those gaps. And we're still working on that. We're still working on what does that look like and what's best for our client base and all of that. And I appreciate all the people who have been super patient with us on that regard. But it's not just about I don't, I and I have never just wanted butts in seats and to say goodbye and I hope I never see you again. But there are some instructors out there that only offer CPL classes or only offer the licensure class for your state that that's literally all they're doing because they just need to make the money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so sorry about the soapbox there at the end of this, but... <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's, I think it needs to be said,
1: you know, yeah. it needs to be addressed somewhere that it, it's out there and ways to recognize it.
0: Yeah. I don't know how much that has to do with mindset. I guess it has to do with the mindset of the instructor yeah. and it and it could run contrary to what you're looking for as a student. Um, mm-hmm. and it's something to be aware of. Yeah. So, anything else you want to talk about?
1: Uh, well, I wanted to ask you, uh, what did you celebrate most this week?
0: Ooh. I celebrated the fact that I have had a block for quite a few months now about doing social media posts because I've wanted them to be perfect and I finally told myself that I can't be perfect about it anymore and got a bunch of posts made with some actually really cool graphics. Yeah. Um, I liked and them. and I got I I got those all lined up and plugged into our social media posting app and stuff. So I've been I've been pretty hardcore celebrating that. What have you been I'll, celebrating?
1: And I was like, I'm just gonna throw mine out here. Um, so I guess two. Um, so I started my uh, active self-protection instructor cohort. Um, yesterday, so that Woo-hoo. was a big step for me. And it's, I'm gonna do a ton of growing in this because the stuff that we're learning is fantastic. It's um, it's intense and it's. I'm already finding a lot of value in it. So that's, that's cool. Um, My, my win that I was originally going to talk about before I plugged that one (laughs) um, was I have been developing some bad habits and I finally recognized what one of them was um, with target transitions and relaxing my grip in between each target. And at first I was just getting frustrated. Like, why am I missing this all of a sudden? Like I used to be able to do this great and I was like, oh, I'm doing a thing. Where did I pick up this thing? And it was, I celebrated that I, I found what I was doing wrong Sweet. and it was on my own. Nobody had to tell me what to, what I was doing wrong. Yay. <laughs> so uh, your self-diagnostics um, was big because I was watching my, um, my red dot. I was like, why did I just drop? Why, why did I move, how did I move that? How did I move my sight? and then the next couple i'm like oh, where did my grip go and then, <laughs> it was it was really cool for me just to so i celebrated that i celebrated relaxing my grip which is not what you want to do but it's what what happened and
0: finding that so that was cool that's awesome yeah. i wish i had a shooting win to share but i i guess my win this week in the shooting world is yesterday i actually got to shoot a few rounds literally just for fun like i was literally just like i'm going to hit this target as fast as i can and just had some fun with it, which I don't get to do a whole lot of. So it kind of reminded me why I like doing it. So that's a win. And next week, we'll celebrate
1: that you uh, found more time to do that.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) So... All right, with that being said, thank you for joining us for episode five of Everyday Carry Chicks. We hope you learned a few things or did some self-reflection as we talked about these topics. Leave us a review or a comment. Feel free to ask us a question. You never know, it just might turn into the next episode. We look forward to you joining us again